most of the tests that I use are just conventional tests that any physician can order. For me, um, what then I do is I have people fill out a history that goes all the way back from when they were in their mommy's belly to where they are today. 180 items of symptoms and everything else along with these um, tests and then I figure out what is it that their body's missing. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited for my next guest. She's a functional medicine expert, a doctor of physical therapy, a personal fitness trainer, and the founder of a wellness coaching program called Vital Restart. Welcome, Dr. Lacey Chittle. Thank you very much for having me, Chantel. So I, my sister is a doctor of physical therapy as well. So yeah, she will enjoy listening to this. So I know you have a very interesting wellness journey. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your personal journey and how it led you to functional medicine? Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I'll give you the very compressed version. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here for an hour just talking about me. So um, as you uh, already introduced, you know, I was in this world of fitness from a very early age, I was a personal fitness trainer, um, and um, I went ahead and did a doctorate. So I was somebody who really, you know, over had my plate overfilled and did way too much. Um, eventually, when I finished my doctorate, I got a first illness. I got a UTI, first one I ever had in my entire life. And then after that, um, I ha and from the medication that I was on, it it made me really fatigued thereafter. The antibiotics didn't really work with my body and I had an adverse reaction, really messed up my gut. I spent the next six months not really feeling myself and then um, I got the shingles. Um, and then at 28 years old, they were, I mean, you know, doctors are like, what's wrong with your immune system? You're getting the shingles at 28 years old. Uh, fast forward another six months I, and then I developed vasculitis in my eye and I lost vision in my left eye while I was at work. Mm -hmm. So um, right after that happened, my health took a nosedive and I was in the hospital for several days um, and developed all kinds of um, nausea and vomiting, digestive issues, chronic pain, dysautonomia where you have difficulty maintaining your blood pressure, your heart rate, um, staying upright. Um, I would pass out very easily um, and um, regulating my body temperature. So uh, lots of tests later, we found out that um, I was in this gray zone of autoimmunity. I didn't have a diagnosis yet. I just had some markers that looked slightly abnormal. Um, and then the next two years of my life, um, uh, close to two years of my life, I tried the conventional model of trying to get better. Tried countless drugs to control my digestive issues, my chronic pain, um, and and uh, the inflammation of uh, from the vasculitis that took turns attacking different parts of my body, my eyes, my heart, my kidneys, and so on. I was pretty disabled by um, chronic fatigue as well. And um, so eventually I started trying different um, non-traditional therapies to try and control some of my um, symptoms. And I found some relief, but 
it wasn't lasting. So um, eventually I just decided to um, become my own doctor because I figured no one would be more invested in me getting better <laughs> than me. Um, and so thankfully I found the Institute for Functional Medicine and I took all of their coursework and um, I figured out all the different pieces of my puzzle that were causing me to stay ill. Mm-hmm. And so I had some, um, I had leaky gut, I had um, infections in my gastrointestinal tract, uh, I had imbalances in uh, my hormones, um, and I had uh, adrenal dysfunction where my adrenal glands weren't working quite as well. That was even affecting my salt balances, like all my mineral balances, and that was what the, auto, the dysautonomia was. Um, so I had all these issues and I kind of reverse engineered it to, to fix myself, and now that's what I do for other people. Mm, that is amazing. I love that. Um, so for the listeners who don't know, can you explain the focus of functional medicine and how it differs from traditional medicine? Correct. Sure. So functional medicine, it's getting to the root cause of your symptoms uh, and then um, figuring out what is missing um, that your body needs in order to heal itself. So I use most of the tests that I use are just conventional tests that any physician can order, um, like a comprehensive metabolic panel, you know, a blood count, things like that. Um, but I'm looking at a much narrower range, and then I'm pairing that with all of your symptoms. Um, so for me, um, what then I do is I have people fill out a history that goes all the way back from when they were in their mommy's belly to where they are today. 180 items of symptoms and everything else along with these um, tests and then I figure out what is it that their body's missing. So I'm looking for this narrow range of optimal tissue and organ function, the person's symptoms, and then pairing those things together to say, okay, you know, we have some issues with maybe having low vitamin Ds, you know, having some um, deficiencies in amino acids, there could be some, you know, chronic inflammatory state that's happening. Where is that chronic inflammatory state happening? Can we reduce it? Is there an issue with detoxification? So on and so forth. And then based on what I find, then we put it in, in an order of operations to then correct those things. I love the way you said that. You said narrow window of ranges, right? That's yeah. Is that what you said? Oh my gosh, yeah. So you know how you go to the doctor and um, many people, everyone comes to me saying this, it's they go to the doctor, they tell the doctor they're fatigued. They get a handful of basic tests done and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong with you. And you're like, but I don't feel good. And sometimes it's just because what they're looking for is that pathological range. So The ranges that most labs actually use are just everybody who went to that lab and did that test in the last 365 days. Well, and then they take two standard deviations around the mean. So if you're on either side of that, then, you know, you have, quote, the disease state, but there's a place in there that maybe your tissues and organs aren't functioning as well. So a good example of this might be, for instance, vitamin D. There's like a lot of people have low vitamin D and it might be okay, you know, on the lab range to have a vitamin D of 30. But if where you used to live when you didn't have chronic inflammation in your body was a vitamin D of 60, now 30 might feel like it's too low for your body. Mm, That is so good. Um, Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect example for like, if you went to a doctor who was a traditional doctor, their lab tests, most of them show 
for your TSH on your thyroid, they would say zero to five is right. normal. Well, if you went to any functional medicine doctor, they would tell you from really zero to two is normal. So if you, if you did any range, basically, if I simplified it, and you tell me if you disagree, if the range is from zero to 10 for a for a regular doctor that was traditional, someone who's a functional medicine doctor would say, well, if your range is somewhere between four to seven, that's where you feel the best. Anywhere on these outliers, you're not going to feel good. Do you agree? Yeah, so that's exactly right, is that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a narrow range where we, know, where we expect organ and tissue function to be the best, and then there's the individual, you know, and so, so, you know, based on where you used to be, and if we have a history of you doing these labs, that can be helpful, too, um, to know what may have changed for you. There's also thyroid in particular. You know, um, that's one that's, you know, definitely a soapbox for me because I had an induced hypothyroidism when I was really sick, um, is that it can, be, it can be missed because the conventional tests are just, the doctors are trained to just do one or two measures, a TSH and possibly a free T4. And the reason why is because then the typical medication that's used is just a T4 medication. However, in terms of how your body uses the hormone and how much it has available for use, the T3 is the active hormone, that's important to check that too. And then you can have an overconversion into recycling your thyroid hormone, and that's a reverse T3. Some people have autoantibodies and they never get them checked. You know, so if you have an autoimmune thyroid disease, which I didn't, but some people do, or the vast majority of people do, um, is that then that's very helpful for the knowing what sort of food you should or should not be eating that can mimic thyroid hormone and bind to the thyroid hormone binding sites, which I know for you, you actually did go gluten-free and dairy-free, and many thyroid patients feel much better when they do because um, of that, of that um, binding of those food particles into the thyroid hormone binding sites. Yeah. And I think that I'm, so when you said the word standard deviation, I'm a math major. I actually have my degree in mathematics. And so for people who are not math gurus, standard deviation is a number used to tell how measurements for a group are spread out from the average or an expected value. And so like a low standard deviation means that most of the numbers are really close to the average and a high standard means they're spread out. So like if you ever see those graphs that go from low, then they go high, then they go low back again, how, how you explained it was so good because the functional medicine people are gonna say, here's where, it, it goes back to what I said, here's zero, here's 10. If five is our peak, they might say, hey, here's where you feel the best when you're between four and six. That's right. and, and a functional medicine guy will say four to six, but a, a regular physician is going to be zero to 10. And if you're really at zero and then they go, no, you're, all your stuff comes out perfectly normal. And that's where you get, well, I went to the doctor and they said all my, my, my blood work is great. So that is a really great analogy, especially for me, who's a math major. So thank you. <laughs> all right. Now I want to ask a question that I ask all my guests. So I'd love for you to walk me through a day in the life of what do you love to eat like breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Okay. Um, so I typically don't eat breakfast. Um, I am an intermittent faster, um, have for 
um, better part of a decade now. Uh, but so when I wake up, I usually have um, water, um, one glass of water with lemon or electrolytes or something else, because I usually do some sauna time in the morning um, and or uh, exercise. And um, then I usually have tea or coffee. So that's usually what I eat before noon, <laughs> eat or drink before noon. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so then later in the day, um, my I work from home, uh, so I have the luxury of being able to prepare my food um, the most most of the time when I have time to do so. Um, the last couple of days haven't been <laughs> the case, um, but generally speaking, my uh, lunches are leftovers or um, a very quick, um, you know, piece of meat and you know just saute some vegetables or something like that. And then dinner is usually the same. It's more meat and vegetables. Last night we had. Um, some uh, chicken thighs that were um, just uh, cooked in a pan with um, that had been marinated in jalapeno and cilantro and garlic and that sort of stuff. And then I placed that on top of a big bowl of greens and it was cabbage and kale and um, arugula and tomatoes and jicama and uh, the same sort of sauce that I marinated the chicken in on top of it. So is there any food groups that you just say, you know what, these food groups do not do well for me? Like I definitely, it, you know, in my, my newest book, I have a new edition coming out. The second edition is coming out right away. And it will um, talk about red light foods, yellow light foods, and green light foods. And what I talk about is that every one of us have to create our own. Hey, like for me, my red light food, food is gluten. If I have something with gluten, I am on literally like in bed. I do not feel good. I'm so tired. I can't even function. And that, now do I say that everyone should be gluten free? No. If you can eat gluten and you feel like a million bucks when you eat it, then fantastic. But for me, that's a red light food. And then I have other foods that's a yellow light for me. Like I don't feel great when I eat this, but I'm definitely not in bed. So I'm going to eat this every once in a while. And then I have my green light foods. So talk a little bit about for you, what's your red light foods, what's your yellow light foods, and what's your green light that works for you personally? I love this question. I love that you're putting this in your book. I just have to say that real quick because mm -hmm. that's something that I do with every one of my patients is help them figure out not just what diet is going to be helpful for you to help heal your body right now, but then your lifestyle. How do you want to perceive forevermore to stay in good health. And so you kind of figure out what foods agree with you, which ones are kind of iffy, you can get away with a little bit here and there, and other ones, you know, um, that don't. So for me, over the years, what I have figured out is two things um, about the foods I don't eat are um, wheat and dairy. I just don't eat them. Um, and uh, for me, it's because I have this weird immune system. It's not worth it to me. There's so much evidence that suggests that that can be a trigger for leaky gut, that can be a trigger for autoimmunity. Um, you know, so many, so, such a high percentage of the population have sensitivity or allergy to those two foods that I just stay away from them, you know, with a hard stop. Um, in terms of my yellow foods, um, yellow foods for me are things like kiwis and walnuts, um, things that I know that, you know, they, you get a little bit of a reaction to. So like my tongue will feel a little sensitive. Um, maybe my uh, back of my throat feels a little, you know, off. Maybe I develop a little bit of muc excess mucus in the back of my throat when I eat those things. If I eat just a tiny bit or don't eat them on a regular, it's just fine by my body. 
Um, but then the foods that I have to, I have to eat every day, um, you know, there's like this whole carnivore movement and eating, you know, more and more meat and, um, and what have you, but I could never do that. I need good balance of a fair amount of vegetables. I eat, you know, quite a few vegetables every day and then, um, more moderate amount of, of protein and, and, um, adequate amount of fat. Awesome. So this, let's jump right into the listener questions. And this one is from MJ, but it doesn't say where she's from or he. I have been intermittent fasting for three months and finding great success, having lost 20 pounds with only 10 more to go. But besides that, I am searching for help with my frequent UTIs. I have suffered from these painful flare-ups for more than 30 years and have taken every antibiotic out there. I've been doctoring with a urologist for over two years with no results. What can I do next? Help, MJ. Okay, so here are a couple things that come to mind when I hear this question. Number one is that um, you know, this has been going on for the better part, you know, flare-ups happen for over 30 years. So number one is, what is the age of this individual? So as we age, especially as women, as we go through menopause, um, you know, or after we have babies, um, is that, you know, hormonal shifts can happen. And so that can change the tissues uh, and change, uh, and um, the tissue changes can actually affect um, the urinary tract and not just the vagina. Um, so some of the things that I think about is, okay, is there some tissue atrophy happening here given due to age, um, due to hormonal shifts, that sort of thing. Um, but then the other thing uh, that I think about is um, dysbiosis that has occurred. So that's the, every one of our parts of our body have their own microbiome. Our eye has a microbiome. The skin on the outside of our face has a, a microbiome. Our gut has a microbiome. Our urinary tract has a microbiome. And so when you take multiple courses of antibiotics, it doesn't just affect the microbiome in your digestive tract, it affects the, the microbiome in your urinary tract as well. So if you've done repeated courses, have you just created um, a great environment for all the happy, healthy bacteria that are supposed to be in the urinary tract to exist? So it's possible that you've been over-treated with antibiotics and that you actually need some other good bacteria to be um, added back. Um, and then the other thing that I think gets missed a lot with urinary tract infections is that it, what, that they do a repeat culture. And the first time it was E. coli, right? And, you know, it was some overgrowth of a particular bacteria. But then when they repeat, there was no longer any, uh, the testing that's no longer um, positive for a bacterial overgrowth. And if that's the case, sometimes it's really yeast. You have a yeast infection um, in your urinary tract. Um, so then the treatment is different, and that's why the, the antibiotics didn't work. You need an antifungal, either herbal or um, prescription. And then the other thing that I would like to add to this is check your pH. So sometimes there's not an infection there, um, and it's your urinary pH is just too acidic. And it's um, actually causing all the symptoms of a urinary tract infection, but there is no urinary tract infection. And so you can check this with a urinary pH strips at home. You can look at your old tests, um, your urinary tests, your uh, urinalysis that they were looking for the infection in the first place and see what it is. It should be 6.5 to 7.5. If it's below that 6.5, it might be that it's too acidic and you need to eat more vegetables to increase your, your uh, urinary pH. And then that might actually help those symptoms as well. Um, 
And then the two uh, groups of supplements that I usually suggest people looking at when they have urinary tract infections that are occurring all the time is, like I said, probiotics. So there are urinary tract specific probiotics. And you can also look at, even if you're a male, um, there are these female specific um, probiotics that are for um, vaginal health, but it's actually the same strains of bacteria that are good for the urinary tract health as well. And it's safe for men to take those strains of bacteria as well. And then the second is cranberry and demanose. So cranberry and demanose um, prevent um, bacteria from adhering to the, to the walls of the, both the intestine and the urinary tract. So then um, if there is a little bit of overgrowth of yeast or bacteria, it's not a hospitable place for them to, to overgrow. Mm. So <clears throat> talk about the cranberry demanus. I don't, I don't know what that is. I haven't heard of that myself personally. Um, so, like I've yeah, heard of having company. cranberry juice, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a combination product. Um, so you can get demanus all by itself. Um, it's, it's, it's technically a sugar, but it's not like a, a sugar sugar that you know you um, you would get from your your food. Um, and what it does is again, it makes for like a slippery slope inside of your uh, urinary tract, so that the um, bacteria can adhere there. And um, the, similarly, the cranberry does this works similarly. It just makes for a non hospitable place for the bacteria or yeast to grow. How do you spell that? D dash M A N N-O-S-E. Okay. And, and what you so want is those things to pre preferably be in a capsule that is acid resistant. And so it's like a acid, the capsule will make it through your stomach and then it will open up and get the, um, the goodies to where they need to go. Cause that's mm -hmm. the reason why oftentimes like the over the counter cranberry extracts and things like that don't work very well is because most of it's being broken down in the stomach itself. So I had a friend of mine that isn't a doctor a long time ago, when I very first got married, um, I got like a urinary tract infection, like as soon as like the first week, like I think on our honeymoon. And then I got another one a couple weeks later and I was talking to a friend about it. And she said to me, she said, okay, I'm going to tell you a trick. And she said, if after the second that you have sex, you so need to hard. go straight to the bathroom yes. immediately. Like, like it's ridiculous. Like me and my husband will have sex and it's like, I'm not even like, he's like, gosh, like I literally run to the bathroom and go to the bathroom. And I will tell you, I have not yet since I've done that, I have not gotten a urinary tract infection ever again. It's a good trick. Yes, definitely helpful. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, if it works, but I know for me, that's what I have done. So I don't know if that will help you, <laughs> but that is the one trick that I've done. And I will say that anytime I do have, if I do feel like maybe I might be getting on a urinary tract infection, I'll get some organic cranberry juice that has no sugar in it. That's just, or I'll take whole cranberries. That's another thing that I'll do in my smoothies. You can put in your smoothie whole, people forget, people are always putting banana and, you know, different things. Try to mix it up. I put like whole unsweetened cranberries and um, like tart cherries in my smoothies. And I feel like whenever I do that, I feel like it just helps. So, all right. This next question is from Shannon in Nushua, N-A-S-H-U-A. 
I mean, some of these cities, I've literally never, I did not do well. I did very good in school. I had straight A's, but I did not do good in, in geography. Have you ever heard of Nashua, N-A-S-H-U-A? Definitely not. <laughs> like, where is that? All right. It says, I've had a lot of inflammation, joint pain, and fatigue for about a year now. I cut out gluten about two weeks ago to see if that might be the root cause of my problems, but so far I haven't noticed any change. How long does it take to notice a difference? Great question. So um, it depends on what else is really going on with the individual, right? So uh, if you are not seeing, so some people will see an improvement with going gluten-free in a matter of two weeks, but some people don't. And when they don't, the things that we have to think about is, um, you know, what is the state of their health? You know, how long has their health been compromised? Um, you know, there can be things called um, where the foods cross-react with one another. So even though you took out wheat, um, you have food sensitivities. And now when the foods start getting broken down in your digestive system, um, your immune system still gets activated when it looks similar. So things that will cross-react with wheat would be um, all the grains, unfortunately. So all of the oats, all the rice, you know, um, quinoa. Um, it can be milk products. Uh, it can be chocolate. It can be coffee. All those things actually cross-react with one another. And so when they're getting broken down, then your body potentially can say, this looks like wheat. We're going to keep on making inflammation. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. And then, uh, like I mentioned about the, the wheat and um, dairy with uh, autoimmunity or with thyroid disease in particular, is that there can be this thing called molecular mimicry, where it looks like your own tissues. So if you have an autoimmune condition going on, is the food that you're eating still looking like you're looking like your own tissues and you're causing autoantibody production just because of that? So then it wasn't the wheat by itself. It could be you know, any number of other foods. And that's why some people really benefit from doing, you know, a proper elimination diet where they take out, you know, the top seven foods, the top nine foods, or they do an autoimmune paleo diet if you have an autoimmune condition. Um, some people, you know, do other types of diets like the ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet because they just are reacting to so much that they just need to simplify things to kind of figure out what the heck is my body reacting to and what it's not. So then when you reintroduce food items, it'll become clear. Um, but if you're not making progress with that alone, um, with the weed alone, it's probably that we have to look a little bit deeper and dig a little bit deeper. Um, but chances are that there's probably some leaky gut going on. Whenever you say the person has, you know, chronic, has a, there's a chronic inflammatory state, you have joint pain, um, that sort of thing, you know, there's a reason there's an activation of your immune system and somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of your immune cells they live right behind that one cell layer thick wall of your intestine so if there is some deterioration or irritation of your intestinal lining then food food particles can get on through into that space behind there and cause an activation of your immune system and then that activation of your immune system is that inflammation and then 
those food particles and food and um, you know um, toxins from our environment that get into our bloodstream, our body wants to protect us, and so it will go shovel it off to places to hide it. And that can be your joint spaces, that can be your muscles, that can be um, you know even your brain. You can have uh, problems with concentration or memory and whatever else. Um, so those are the sort of things that I start thinking about when someone has tried gluten free and that's not working and they still have all of these symptoms. It's, it's time to dig deeper. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realize that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to ChantalRayWay.com video for a free glimpse. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to ChantalRayway.com slash coaching. I just had someone listen to the audiobook three times and she just emailed me and she said by her listening to the audiobook three times, that's what did it. That's what allowed her to really lose the weight. We have an amazing offer for you. It's the second edition of my book, which has tons more information. It has the audiobook, the ebook. It normally runs for $29.99. You can get it today for $4.99. Go to ChantelRayway.com slash deal to get it. Now back to the show. All right. This next one's from Debbie, Debbie in New Haven. I'm a 48-year-old woman and have just been feeling off for the last couple of years. I've been tired, depressed, and just feel achy all the time. My doctor diagnosed me with fibromyalgia about six months ago and put me on Savella, but it doesn't seem to be helping. Could it be anything else? I think everyone thinks I'm crazy and that it's all in my head. I'm so sorry. You know, um, it's really difficult having a condition where it's you can't see anything on paper, right? That's fibromyalgia is that, you know, you have all the, these pains, but the tests all look negative. Um, so Savella is an SNRI and it is oftentimes helpful for fibromyalgia um, and depression. Um, but it does deplete uh, folks of sodium. Um, so if you're on any medication, this is just a tip for anybody who's listening here who wants to know how their medications are potentially affecting um, the rest of their body, is you can go to a website called Mitovin, M-Y-V-I-T, my, wait, sorry, <laughs> M-Y-T-A-V-I-N.com, Mitovin. And um, that website, you can type in all of your prescriptions and you can see what nutritional um, things can be affected by that medication. Um, and so um, I kind of would need to know a little bit more about the timeline here um, and if things continue to get worse after going on this medication or not, but you can have, um, you know, some increase in some of your symptoms um, from, from having low sodium. But then the other thing um, about the timing is that you're 48 years old. So, and this happened a couple of years ago. So what's also happening in our latter 40s is that there's a hormonal shift um, and so those, that hormonal shift, uh, as we start making less progesterone, less estrogen, can affect our whole body. Um, and so there can be more bone breakdown that can lead to more toxins in our bloodstream that can cause, you know, potentially more aches and pains um, that can affect 
Um, the hormonal shift can affect um, the microbiome of your gut. So, um, you know, this there's this intimate relationship of our estrogens with um, the production of certain strains of bacteria. Um, and then if that happens, that can affect, um, you know, the balance of the good microbes in the gut and that can lead to potentially more leaky gut. Um, there's just so many, there's, uh, there's also, you know, the question as to whether or not there are things like constipation that can then increase the, the toxin, the toxic load in your body. Um, and then that can cause more aches and pains. Um, you know, even the hormonal shifts again can affect your sleep. And we know very well have known for about 45 years from studies back in the seventies that uh, sleep deprivation or getting inadequate um, deep sleep can affect um, pain. And you can actually induce fibromyalgia in college age students by forcing them to stay awake. Those sorts of studies would never be approved anymore. But um, so there's so many things here that it could be that, you know, I definitely would need more history to know what else it could be. But those are the sort of things that start to come to mind with a bit of history that I know. Okay. <clears throat> this next question is from Anonymous. Uh, this one just came in. I am in college and I'm starting to have sex with multiple people. I'm being wild and a lot of fun, but now something feels off. I was changing out of my clothes and caught a whiff of something different down there. And I thought I knew myself pretty well intimately and all of my bodily sense. My vagina naturally has a certain smell. It always does. And I know that smell is based on the certain pH of my vaginal discharge because I'm currently taking a chemistry class and that talks about that pH is a scale of acidity. Anyway, what do you think is going on? I'm sorry. Great question. <laughs> um, I say you need to go to your doctor and you need to go get a culture done. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, simple as that is, uh, you know, I don't know if you're having protected sex, unprotected sex um, or not, but semen will change the pH of your vagina. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's things like, um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and, um, you know, that sort of thing that you want to make sure that you're, that you don't have any of those things going on. Um, and uh, even like we were talking about before is that if there is, um, you know, you're having a lot of unprotected sex and there is a lot of semen that, you know, your exposure, some people, you know, your vagina can get the pH can change and that can make, again, for an unhospitable environment for um, your natural flora to flourish. So then you can have this bacterial imbalance um, from that. So I don't really know. I definitely need to go see your physician and have a culture done and um, see what else is going on there. All right, this next one is from Anna in Medford. I'm a busy single mother of two young kids. I've had anxiety since college, but in the last few years, between the stress of school, work, sports, and other activities, it's gotten much worse. I take Ativan as needed, but I don't like how groggy it makes me feel. Is there a natural way to help my anxiety without taking medicine? Yes. Um, you know, always try, I always try and push like the lifestyle stuff first, you know, so, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're probably got a little too much on your plate and that's going to elevate your cortisol levels. And if you're 
cortisol is elevated all the time, um, it can affect your sleep. Um, so that would be the other question that I have is, you know, how is your sleep quality? Are you sleeping through the night? Because then it just becomes this vicious cycle that we get in where we have high stress all day long. Your body has a hard time turning off that stress. And then you are going to have difficulty sleeping. Ativan um, is an anxiety medication, but this particular anxiety medication also depletes your, your um, melatonin. And so melatonin is the hormone that allows us to stay asleep at night. So cortisol is what allows us to stay awake during the daytime. Um, and so when we wake up in the morning, our cortisol will go up and then it'll stay relatively even throughout the day. And then around seven o'clock, you know, it starts coming down between seven and nine, it starts coming down a little bit faster so that by between nine and 11, we're sleepy and your body has gotten the trigger to go ahead and start producing melatonin. So if you're taking these sorts of medications on a regular basis, it can affect your melatonin production and that can affect your sleep quality. And then again, you're going to just have these elevated levels of cortisol and long-term then your cortisol might start to peter out or happen at the wrong time of the day. The things that um, you can do that could improve, um, uh, you know, your uh, sleep quality are things like, um, you know, cutting back on screen time before bedtime, using blue light blocking glasses, um, doing breathing techniques, listening to a guided meditation, all of that. All that stuff is, is relatively inexpensive or even free. Um, and then there's adaptogens, there's herbal adaptogens, things like rhodiola, passion flower, um, you know, uh, different types of medicinal mushrooms like reishi. Um, there's even um, other herbs that are helpful for autoimmunity as well, like ashwagandha is another one. There's lots of herbs and um, mushrooms out there that can be helpful to help um, pull down some of that chronic symptoms of chronic stress. Um, but the other things that I always think about because I'm a functional medicine practitioner is that why are you experiencing, you know, besides the lifestyle stuff that could be causing stress is that what chemistry do you have going on within your body that may have set you up for this since you said that this has been going on pretty much the vast majority of your life so in order for your body to make the cool the the um, neurotransmitters that allow you to like chill out so dopamine serotonin etc you need particular amino acids and you need particular b vitamins so that's where i would look on testing is to see do you have adequate uh, you know, amounts of these things um, in order for your body to make the relaxing, um, you know, neurotransmitters. And um, again, you know, even that with that serotonin stuff is that serotonin, the vast majority is made in the gut. So is your gut digestion going well so that you can produce enough serotonin? And then number two is that serotonin, you know, um, is a precursor for making melatonin. So again, you know, is that all happening the way it's supposed to so that you can get an adequate amount of sleep and deep sleep at nighttime? Awesome. Last question. Devin, Ma Devin from Madison. I'm a 35-year-old woman who's always been pretty healthy and thin. In the last year, I've gained some weight. It's not a lot, about seven pounds, but it's enough to make me feel uncomfortable, and I can't seem to lose it. Why can't I shed these extra pounds? Is there anything I can do? So what okay. would be your general, like if you had to give someone like top three <laughs> tips and, and you're very thin. Um, so kind of what are some of your secrets to stay so slim? Um, sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, sleep is not always number one. So, like, people are always like, ah, oh, I've always been active, and, you know, the more I exercise, the more it seems like I can't lose this extra weight. It could just be your your stress chemistry is too high. You know, you're actually doing too much, and that, you know, your body is – feeling it. And so if your stress hormones are elevated, then your body's not going to say that it's a good time to lose weight and your body's going to hold on to it. Right. right. So I, again, that's why I say is like, you know, first get your food and get your sleep in check. You need seven and a half hours of good quality sleep. You can lose weight. And these studies have been done simply by getting adequate sleep. <laughs> so that would be number one. Number two is nutrition. You know, so then I would just do like a, you know, a look at what is it that I'm eating in what quantities and what time, you know, so this is where intermittent fasting can be really effective that just like you, um, you know, identified in your own history that first off, all you did was just change the timing that you were eating and giving your digestion a, a break it can make it more efficient, you know, make your body actually more insulin um, sensitive so that you're utilizing the foods that you're eating well and your body doesn't create this inflammation and think that it needs to hold on to excess weight, right? Um, and then once you have that, uh, you're able to do that, then looking at the quality of the food that you're eating, you know, and focusing on the micronutrient, macronutrient, like density of your foods. So looking at how many packaged foods that you're eating, processed foods that you're eating, and eliminating as many as those of, as you possibly can. Um, and then, um, you know, the other thing is, you know, uh, that then the exercise is just augmenting um, your life, that it's not a burden, you know? So are you looking at all the things that you're doing as, um, more stressors. So if your exercise is now turned into this thing that you have to do to maintain your weight, you might actually have to take a step back and actually stop what you're doing. Um, so that's where then I would say is testing can be very helpful to help you identify this. So um, adrenal stress testing can be helpful to see what's going on there that maybe the amount of exercise that you're doing is actually um, causing you to not be able to lose weight. Um, so those are the sort of things that I would start looking at. Well, where can our listeners go to follow you and your work? Yeah, so um, I happen to be the only Lacey Chittle in, like, the world. Um, so <laughs> if you Google me, you'll find me. Um, but my website is drlaceychittle.com. And I will say this, your website is absolutely gorgeous. You guys have to go visit it to go look at it. And I think most people, their picture that they have of themselves, when you see them, their picture is usually prettier than, than what they look like in person. And I think you're the opposite. I think your picture is pretty on the website, but I think you're gorgeous in person. Oh, so, so yeah, I think that you should update some of those pictures because I think you're prettier in person <laughs> than even in your pictures. Thank you. So they, they're great as well. And your website is gorgeous. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.